Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like Abner's American dream, being a husband and a girl dad, and listen to the On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Join on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week with the Week Four leader of the FFPC main event, uh, former guest of this show, former guest of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, and a veteran of High Stakes Fantasy Football in general. It is Brian Pakula. Brian, welcome back onto the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the the biggest thing I, I think um, we'll get into the fantasy football, like the meat and potatoes of it, shortly. But obviously, the biggest thing we talk about twenty twenty is uh, the coronavirus and how it's affecting fantasy football. And uh, obviously, I, I think um, high-stakes uh, owners uh, have have definitely been managing their teams a little bit differently this year when it comes to maybe not necessarily drafting, but waiver wire, blind bidding, setting lineups, everything like that. Brian, how has it affected the way that you've run your team so far this season? Well, I think you really have to take an approach of, of looking at each game and basically making your players questionable. And I say, uh, I would say more so than any other year, it's real important to have uh, good backups. Uh, in previous years, I, I would sometimes carry just one quarterback. And now you have to take an approach of, well, who's my backup quarterback and when are they playing? And, and can I have, if I can have a choice, can I take a player who's maybe going to know that they're going to be playing on Monday night? So I have somebody I can put in last minute that, if all of a sudden on Saturday they cancel the Sunday game, that I can turn to somebody. Um, so redundancy is key. Um, carrying two kickers, maybe that's still not in question, but uh, definitely having two solid Q- QBs, maybe even three, might be worth it uh, getting some points instead of none. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's funny because I was actually um, in a few dynasty leagues I'm in. I had Lamar Jackson as my lone quarterback. And I was cool with that. And I was like, ah, you know, what are the chances that, you know, he contracts COVID or anything like that, um, you know, prior to a game. And then the Cam Newton thing scared me. And then now I back yeah. Lamar Jackson up in all my leagues, you know, and thankfully it hasn't affected me yet. But, you know, if it does, I'll be I'll be good to go now. And it's not just, you know, COVID-19 we're talking about that's affecting these players and, and some of these quarterbacks. Uh, it uh, A serious injury affected one of the top quarterbacks in fantasy football this week, and that was Dak Prescott. Now, you are included in these teams that get hurt by it uh, with your main event team having Prescott. The advantage that you have, I guess, is, is now you get to deploy Aaron Rodgers in your lineups, and he looks awesome this year, certainly an MVP candidate. So it could certainly be worse for you. It's certainly worse for a lot of other teams. Uh, my question for you, uh, Brian, is Andy Dalton's a quarterback there. 
how big of a hit to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, all those pass catchers for Dallas. How big of a fantasy hit do they take with the move down from Prescott to Dalton? I, I think uh, Cooper and Lamb should remain very strong plays here. You go back and look at Dalton and his history. Uh, he's only 32 now, and he's proven to us, well, it's been a while, what, maybe 2016, 15, he had alpha. AJ Green, if you remember him, and uh, you know he was AJ Green was late first round pick, second round pick for years under Dalton. So I think I think Cooper and Lamb can do very well. Uh, I don't see a huge drop off. I do see big drop offs in Gallup and Schultz. I know he hit Gallup down the line uh, on the game on on Sunday, but uh, I'm worried about them if I own them. Uh, but I think they bring strong, and, and obviously Zeke is probably also a big winner here. Um, well, I guess you can't say any of them are winners because certainly the office thinks a hit, but I think they, they rely on Zeke more and, and uh, Dalton may check down a little bit more to him and out of the backfield. Yeah, Tony Dungy was actually talking about that on on um, uh, Football Night in America on, on Sunday about how, you know, this wasn't necessarily a good thing for Dallas, but in the regard that they under, they should understand now that, that this football team is going to go as far as that offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott take him. I, I think they're going to get back to basics there, and it'll be a different look uh, for Dallas going forward. You mentioned him um, briefly there, A.J. Green. He leaves with another hamstring injury on Sunday, Brian. Uh, is he cuttable now? I mean, I, I don't own him anywhere, so I don't have to make this decision, but I know some players will have to with the bye week gauntlet underway. Um, is A.J. Green cuttable in high-stakes leagues? I think so. I, I didn't draft him in any of my leagues. Uh, he was going way too early. Uh, yeah, he's cuttable. I think I think this goes back to the COVID conversation. You can't be holding guys that are injured, not playing well anyway, and uh, the future is in Cincinnati with, with Burrow and, and, and the young receivers and Higgins and, and Boyd. And so I, I would cut bait and Make sure you got someone to play in case that your team doesn't play on, on Sunday or Monday. Um, your tight end in this league, in, in the uh, the main event league that was leading the whole shebang after last week, Tyler Higby. Um, how concerned are you for him the remainder of the season after he gets whatever he went two for twelve, and then Gerald Everett gets four balls for ninety yards? Is this just a one off, and Higby's going to be okay, or is this cause for concern? Uh, it is a cause for concern. I uh, was high on him in the draft. Uh, he had amazing, I think it was last six weeks of 2019 season. It was unbelievable. Now, Everett was hurt during that time period. Uh, it, but I just thought Higby had finally come and came out and, and became a, a dominant tight end one. So I went early on him in the draft, but I also got Noah Fant very quickly thereafter. And personally right now, if Fant can get back and get healthy, I'm starting Fant over him and even I went and took Cameron Brait from Tampa with OJ Howard going out just to give me some extra flexibility there. So I am concerned. I do think Higby could come back. I think it may also not just be Gerald Everett. He's not getting tons of targets. I think he had four this past week, um, but he, of course caught all four. Um, but I think it's also golf tends to spread the ball around. Um, and it, so it, it's just not consistently getting enough targets to be dominant tight end one. Going over to Tampa, uh, you mentioned Cameron Brait. If you would have had your pick between Brait and Gronkowski, um, which which one would you have picked up uh, for the remainder of the season? It's hmm. a good question. I, I I think I would take Gronk, <laughs> just knowing his pedigree. 
Uh, but I think Brait, I've always liked Brait personally. And I think he, although may not be the most athletic, he's very reliable. And I don't know if Gronk, Gronk makes it through the season. So I think Brait could be the de facto tight end there at some point. Yeah, and he was the guy, too, that Tampa gave all that money to, uh, even after they drafted O.J. Howard. So you know the team loves him. Uh, the front office loves him as well. Yeah. Um, Dearness Johnson, uh, a guy, I- I'll be honest with you, I never heard about till uh, after Nick Chubb went down. <laughs> and and he did not do much um, in his first full game without Chubb for Cleveland on Sunday. Do you think he, this is a guy, how likely is he going to be to be a, a decent flex option when you get hurt? Uh, with uh, with bye week guys coming up, do you, I mean, is, is he a guy you'd look to deploy, or is it just going to be look? I'm not starting Johnson unless Kareem Hunt's inactive. So it is a guy that uh, this is one of the issues of not having preseason and and uh, and extended training camp. It is something that I had had at some point in time read about that they were high on him in in their training camp, um, and so. When uh, when Chubb went down, you saw him come in that game versus Dallas. Now it was worse Dallas with a horrible, horrible defense, but he looked amazing out there. And this past week, he he just didn't get a lot of opportunities. Um, but when you, you saw him get a chance, he had like a twenty yard run or twenty five yard run down the side. So I, it's like this kid's intensity um, and what an amazing offensive line to run behind. But I do think the problem with is Hunt is Hunt is just so dynamic. And so I, yeah, it's for me, it's uh, if I have nobody to start or bye week fill in, if I got to start him as my last player, I would consider it. I did do that in one league this past week. It didn't turn out so great, uh, but I'm not looking to start him over a consistent like wide receiver three or wide receiver four right now. Now Hunt did get gimpy in this game. Uh, they took him out for a few plays. So if Hunt goes down, I mean, you you have yourself maybe a top 10 running back. So he's available in your league. Go get him. I definitely got him in my um, you know, wherever I could in my leagues, I spent a lot of money to get them. Yeah. Cleveland is, it seems to be a, a running back paradise there right now for, you know, if you, if you are the guy, you are going to be a top 10, top 15 running back, um, at each and every week, especially if, if, you know, somebody is hurt in that offense, uh, which Chubb is right now. Um, speaking of the Browns, Austin Hooper has gotten more and more involved. His targets have gone up each and every week so far in the season. Is he becoming that tight end that Cleveland paid him to be, or Brian, or, or should we still be a little skeptical about this guy's fantasy output? It's a, it's a tough one as well. I think he is becoming that. I think he is uh, a chain mover is what he is. He's the, he's the dump off. He's, he's the guy's going to get eight to 10 yards and he's becoming the reliable uh, security blanket for Baker. Uh, I think in conjunction with this Landry, as you can see, who I've loved for years, used to be a target monster. I think he's still hurt with his hip, um, and he's just not getting as many targets. Um, so I think that's helping Hooper out. Um, and also, you have a little bit of a more passing mentality with Hunt in the backfield um, than when you had Chubb. So I do think he's very solid moving forward. I, I, I have no problem deployments of tight end one, tight end two moving forward. How did you um... – it just as long as we're talking Browns, let's talk about every Brown. Odell Beckham in your drafts this year, did you end up with him anywhere? What was sort of your outlook uh, on him, and has it changed at all based on what you've seen in the first month of the season? I did not get him. Um, he also went too early for my liking. I, I, from most drafts, I remember seeing him in early second round. Uh, and it, for me, 
it, it was just too much inconsistencies. I love him as a player. I mean, unbelievable player, um, but just too inconsistent and, and injuries also just in the back of my mind with him. But uh, um, he's starting to come out a little bit, but I, I think the offense is too conservative and Baker now has a lot of weapons. So he's going to continue spreading it around. Clyde Edwards Alaire was a guy that was drafted in the first round by Kansas City. And as a result, the um a lot of the satellites and, and football guys leagues we had going on after the NFL draft, you, we saw Edwards Alaire go in the first round of a lot of drafts. Then he sort of backed off um, you know, into the second, third round. But when Damian Williams opted out of the season, Edwards Alaire just became a bona fide first round pick in every draft. I mean, he never slipped to the second round. Um, scores in his first game looks pretty good, but since then kind of looked like a guy, you know, he hasn't looked special and, and you would think that a, a guy with a first round pedigree in that Kansas city juggernaut of an offense being the starting running back, I'd be putting up big time numbers and he has it. Um, was it just a simple matter of, of FFPC players overrating him? Um, or is this guy about to turn it on and, and do a lot of good for whoever, uh, uh drafted him? I, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, I think uh, it depends. You know, FFPC has an amazing uh, process where you draft after a Thursday night game. And it was interesting because I have three teams in the main event, FFPC, and my team that's the best, um, I had the sixth pick. And, and amazingly, Kamara dropped me because a uh, team took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the fourth pick ahead of me before this is before the Thursday night game. So he was anticipating him being that good before the Thursday night game. After the Thursday night game, to me, it made sense to consider taking him very early. Otherwise, I would not have taken him that early. Um, the reason being is you heard from in, in camp uh, that they were going to talk about splitting. Darrell Williams was going to be the one who was going to split with him. Now, what you're seeing is that's not happening, uh, Just but Hilaire just hasn't necessarily turned turn it on. I think it's just a matter of time. I, I do think he's a good pick. I I was still wouldn't take him fourth overall, but I think late first round, beginning of second round makes total sense if we redid the draft today because his upside's huge. Amazing offense. He just had eight targets in the game. And uh, from memory here, he got a touchdown that was called back. So he has a tremendous upside. It doesn't look like the number two, number three, Darwin Thompson are doing anything. Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson are doing anything to really take anything away from him. And, uh, you know, really recently, you know, I think of New England, Bill Belichick figured out how to slow down KC a little bit. So I think right now KC's offense is just not putting out as much as they could. And I'm sure they're going to figure that out. And I, you got it. anytime you get an offense like that and you can get a running back behind that, that offense, I think his sky's the limit. So it's just a matter of time before he has that breakout game. Yeah, I mean, talking about going in the late first round and, and how that would have been a good pick for you, a guy who did go late in the first round in most drafts this year was Kenyon Drake. And we had Bob, o, uh, Bob O'Reilly. I got the who on the brain. Uh, we had Bob Riley on, on the lowdown last week, and he's convinced that Chase Edmonds is uh, is a league winner this year. And I, I've talked to some other high-stakes players that that think that Edmonds will eventually be the guy to own in that backfield. Uh, in Arizona at some point this season. How do you sort of feel about Drake and Edmonds? And Brian, I have no idea if you own either of these guys in uh, on any of your teams, but how do you see that situation sort of evolving? I, I agree. I I was not a Drake fan. He actually surprised me last year 
when he came into Arizona, had those amazing games. And uh, but if, if there was a game, if you recall, there was a game where uh, Drake uh, was questionable, uh, and then they ended up not playing him. Edmonds started from memory; he had three touchdowns in that game. Uh, and so yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Edmonds is the play here. Uh, will he overtake it and take the reins, or is it going to be a 50-50 split? That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, but I think definitely could be taken over. And again, training camp talk was they were high on Edmonds. Um, so I think he's probably a super sleeper for the second half. Well, he may not be a sleeper anymore, but half the season, he's his air is way, pointing way up. Yeah, and especially in full PPR leagues like the FFPC, you saw Drake uh, get two catches this past week. Edmonds had like five for 50-something. Mm-hmm. So uh, writing is is on the wall, and it's not in pencil anymore. It's, it's in pen. Uh, so I think that we're all taking uh, notice of that for sure. Henry Ruggs uh, returned from the uh, injured list or the inactivity list, whatever you want to call it, to make two big plays on Sunday. One went for a long score. Those were his only touches, though, for the whole game. And, and I know they have Darren Waller there. They have Josh Jacobs. They have other weapons in Las Vegas. But how likely, Brian, is it that he sees more volume in the passing game the rest of the way to make him more of an attractive start? You know, this is not a guy that was just a speed guy that was drafted in the third or fourth round of the draft. He was a first-round pick. He was the first receiver drafted. And you would think that more volume would accompany that. But is that the case? It's it's pretty amazing, The uh, these receivers in this draft class. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I like more so this is to me about Carr and I think he's playing a high level right now. And I think he's been underrated. If you look at his last two years, he's had 4,000 yard seasons the last two years with, I don't think a lot of weapons. So I think his arrow is also pointing way up. Uh, will he get seven, eight catches a game? I, I do see it being more around a five or six catch game, but he can, yeah, a hundred yards and he, he can explode at any moment and take it to the house. So uh, great matchup, especially with Bywee's coming up. I would try to get in my lineup wherever I can. Okay, so the the line I'm about to read: ten catches for 152 yards and a touchdown. No, that wasn't Calvin Ridley. That wasn't Tyreek Hill. That wasn't Devontae Adams. That was Travis Fulgham, uh, the breakout receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, this wasn't really a necessarily a one off. The previous week, he caught two balls, 57 yards, and a touchdown as well. Um, and then he comes up with a monster against uh, Pittsburgh this this past week. So is is this a significant player going forward, uh, Brian? Has he carved out enough of a role? Has he gotten the trust of Carson Wentz enough um, to to make him uh, roster worthy and maybe start worthy certain weeks? Or are you convinced that when Deshaun Jackson's back, when Alshon Jeffrey's back, this guy's just going to go back to a bench role? Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows with this? If <laughs> uh, who knows? But I, this is to me like the New England backfield, uh, running backfield. I, I just avoid this wide receiver core wherever I can. I, I, I mean, who's heard of this guy before this this year? I mean, looking him up, it, he was a sixth round pick from Detroit. Uh, he was on the Packers. Uh, and I'm I'm not a Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey fan for that matter. So I I think those guys are are just done. Um, but I mean, was it Greg Ward a good pickup maybe two weeks ago and? I mean, who knows? And, and Ertz is not playing well, so who who knows with Philly? I, I would I wouldn't spend a lot of money on. It. I I think it may just be right time, and who knows next next week he might have zero catches. So <laughs> I would certainly avoid this wide receiver core. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things too where it's like you could price enforce on the waiver wire this week a little bit um sure. to 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 get them. But at the same time, you know, roster spots are at a premium this year. You know, you talked about this earlier. So I don't know if, if it's necessarily a guy that you want to pick up if he's just going to clog your roster. Um, but he's it, it's going to be interesting to see how much he does go for uh this week um after uh after those after that data is released. Another receiver who had a big-time breakout in Week 5, was Chase Claypool. Uh, He gets the four touchdowns, and that was probably aided a little bit by Deontay Johnson hurting his back, having to go out. Juju Smith-Schuster, once again, did not perform up to snuff. But the Pittsburgh pass offense, you know, while it's it's tough to kind of dial it in on a week-to-week basis, this looks like a great situation for Ben Roethlisberger. How do you assess those three receivers for the remainder of 2020 going forward between Claypool, Johnson, and Smith-Schuster, Brian? I think that uh, this definitely hinges on on Big Ben's health. And so it's shown us that he hasn't made it made it through many seasons recently. So uh, obviously their upside's huge, but if he gets hurt, then all these receivers go way down. And there's just so many weapons there. Don't forget you have James Washington, who I was huge on. I got him very late in most of my drafts. I got him in around 17, 18, 19. So there's, they just have a lot of weapons, and, and predicting who's going to have the big week is going to be tough. Uh, if, I, if I own Juju, I'm sticking with him every week. Uh, Deontay, the same thing. I, I think Claypool's game here opens eyes for the defenders, and it probably opens up more targets or more opportunities for Juju and, and Deontay because now they have to cover this monster of a wide receiver four. So uh, who knows if they cover there, but a lot of upside, but it's going to be a little consistent. Um, And uh, also you got the good old AFC North and defensive battles coming up with Baltimore coming and um, Cleveland looks to be making this a three-way battle this year. So um, it's going to be tough to predict what Claypool is going to do moving forward. I doubt he's on many waiver wires out there. So uh, I think that's, have him and it's a bye week sure give him a shot but i don't know if he's going to repeat the performance um spoiler alert and and listeners of the show are are used to this but brian and i are recording this prior to uh the waiver wire running for the ffpc this week um but brian if i can ask you um who some of your targets are on the waiver wire is there a big name out there that you're trying to get did you put some small bids on on some guys how are you handling the waiver wire heading into week six? Uh, so obviously the quarterback's going to be key for many people here. Um, if you're a Dak Prescott owner like me, um, Dalton's going to definitely be probably one of the top QBs. I think Carr is probably sitting on a lot of waiver wires. Um, Fitzmagic I had for a brief moment in time. It's He's, he's does well. He performs. Um, Miami came out and it seemed like they may not have a long leech with him, but um, playing at a high level right now. Um, there's there's deep quarterbacks. I think you can come back. Drew Locke, I was actually high on in the preseason, um, but losing Cortland Sutton was a big loss to his ability. Also no fan right now, but you could have some value down the stretch as a as a QB2 or if you have a bye week where you need to throw him out there. Um, so those are quarterbacks, I think, is probably more. Um, running backs, we, we obviously have – Dalvin Cook, I don't think Madison will be on the waiver wires, but do you want to go deep into Boone? That's always a great ad for, for cheap. Um, and um, wide receivers, Hardman probably is not available on many waiver wires, but maybe Demarcus Robinson with him, with Sammy Watkins and KT being banged up. Um, 
and Tyreek Hill obviously is amazing, but takes a lot of hits. And he's a little guy. So you could have tremendous value there as well. Um, and tight end, we talked about Braid already. I think that's probably probably one of the better tight end ads if he's available in your league. Um, do you, just real quick on tight ends in, in Houston, uh, Jordan Akins was out with a concussion this week. Darren Fells does get uh, into the end zone against Jacksonville. Um, I, are either one of these guys worth rostering uh, going forward, or is it not worth your time? I, I would generally stay away from the Houston tight ends. Too inconsistent. Um, so I would generally stay away from it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I'm with you on that. That's it's uh, going after either one of those guys reeks of desperation. Which, by the way, some of my teams will be doing that because they are desperate right now. Um, all right, Brian, uh, certainly a pleasure having you on this week. Before I let you go, one last question: uh, Week six, uh, a sleeper that needs to be in high stakes lineups that a lot of people may not deploy as a starter, and then a guy that you think is going to be started in a lot of st- uh, a lot of spots that is more likely to bust and disappoint fantasy owners? Uh, well, I think we hit a couple of these guys, uh, but I, my big sleeper pick is Hardman from KC. Uh, and uh, like we talked about before, anytime you can get a player on a high scoring offense, um, he is going to split a little bit with Demarcus Robinson for now, wide receiver two, wide receiver three options. So, But upside is huge. He'll take so much attention away. And Hardman, they make plays for it. They, they they screen to him. Uh, he also returns kicks, so you could get lucky and get a bonus touchdown on the kick return. Um, another player that I don't know what Detroit's doing with with Adrian Peterson. I was a huge Adrian Peterson for my entire fantasy career, but at some point in time, you got to look for the future, and I think you got to look at Swift. Um, so I don't know if this is the week, or maybe it's two or three weeks from now, but I think he at some point breaks out. Um, and we talked about about Ed, Edmonds as well. Um, or as a bust, um, I, I don't. I don't know. Rankings are, aren't really out in a lot of locations yet. I, I do subscribe to a, a source, and they rank Ronald Jones as number three running back. Um, Whoa. So, yeah, maybe I need to check them at my uh, my source. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's way high with Fournette coming back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn didn't perform very well, but Jones is struggling catching the ball, and we know that that. Uh, that Tom Brady loves to check down. So um, I see him as a bus. I, I think it's a matter of time before Fournette overtakes that backfield. Um, if he gets healthy. Brian, uh, it was always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, congratulations four weeks in uh, you were leading the main event. A lot of time to go. We'll see what happens uh, the rest of the way and, and see if you're cashing that half million dollar grand prize at the end of the season. Uh, good luck uh, in, in your blind bidding this week. Good luck in uh, in uh, week six and enjoy football, man. It's, this is uh, it's always good to talk to you. You too. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Take care. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. <laughs>